Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right. Well, we have been um, talking uh, the last few days about um, the Christian's um, role in the public sphere and really um, kind of at the, at the bottom of this whole um, conversation has been the idea that there's there's nothing in life that doesn't belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That when the Bible says that He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that means that there's no neutral ground. Um, now, of course, that might mean that there's a gap between um, the ideal world and the real world that we're living in. Um, but that's why the church is supposed to be salt and light uh, in the culture, because the the church is is meant to be a prophet to all these different spheres that we've been speaking about. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it's interesting because Abraham Kuyper, uh, he was a Dutch theologian at the end uh, um, of the last century, and then he also became the prime minister of Amsterdam. So he had his 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 feet in both spheres. He was a pastor. And he was then, a churchman. He was a, that's right. a, and a prime minister, yes. That's right. So he actually wrote this uh, rather large volume on his political manifesto, and he was basically kind of asking the question, what type of government should we be aiming at? So he is answering the question like, what should the ideal be? But I think this is precisely the, the point that, that many of us evangelicals need to hear today. What type of government should we be aiming at? Regardless if we're there or not is a different question, um, but what is the aim? Would you like me to read that quote yeah, of his? Yeah, please, please do. Um, Abraham Kuyper has made this statement. Government has the duty to uphold the law, if need be, by force. This raises the question, by what standard a government ought to establish the law? No one would say that the, that his no one would say that his can be done in an that this can be done in an arbitrary way. A government that creates capricious ordinances, declares its whims to be the rule, and raises ill-considered ideas into law would judge itself and could not stand. Government is to make just laws, but it can only do so on the basis of assuming that justice already exists. It exists before government considers and passes laws. Government's contribution is confined to having its laws reflect correctly what objective justice is as required by the principles of justice. Knowledge of those principles is therefore the sovereign's starting point for all good legislative work. It is our conviction that sound and comprehensive knowledge of those principles can only be attained by studying God's word and researching God's ordinances. Mm. Paul, can you summarize? I know it's difficult for you. Wow. You're, you're especially difficult at summarizing. <laughs> but can you summarize what Kuiper is saying there? Well, I think the uh, the real key, um, if I can, maybe I'll just do it by pulling out a single sentence. Government's contribution is confined to having its laws reflect 
correctly what objective is in and of itself as required by the principles of justice. So, um, so what it's saying is that the, the government here on earth should reflect uh, what some theologians have called the law above the law, meaning our laws down here should reflect the laws up there. Um, so that's what that's what Kuiper's saying, and he's saying that essentially everybody has a law above the law. The question is 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 your is the law you're looking to to conform your earthly government actually consistent with the true law, the objective law that's across all peoples, nations, tribes, tongues uh, throughout all of time? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Kuiper uh, talked about s- sphere sovereignty. He understood a sphere of civil uh, uh, of the civil magistrate. He understood the, a sphere of the of the church. In some ways, he he picks up things that Augustine uh, was talking about: the city of man, the city of God. And the question is, what path are we going to take? Um, and uh, um, uh, fellow by the name of jo- Joseph LeConte made this observation. He said, perhaps the welfare of the city of man really does depend, after all, on our belief in the city of God. Perhaps no political society can survive for long when it excludes those spiritual truths that alone can judge, inspire, and transform our earthly politics. Maybe, more than anything else, we need the recovery of faith in what C.S. Lewis called the far-off country, a renewed quest for the virtues and ideals of that bright kingdom that lies beyond the sea. Because we love something else more than this world, Lewis wrote, we love even this world better than those who know no other. Mm. So because we know of another world, because we know, because we have, because we're looking ahead to a city whose maker and builder is God, then we can actually love and serve this world better. Yeah. What, what struck me about um, this, this Kuiper quote is um, he says, by what standard um, can the government make law, uphold law, enforce law? By what standard? What, what you know, again, the cliche, um, you can't know a, a, a a stick is crooked unless you know what a straight line is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what Kuiper is saying. It's like you can't make laws unless you know what is the, the true principle of justice. And so Kuiper in the end says, well, where do we where do we get that true principle of justice? He says that it's attained by studying God's word. And so his essential point is that the government can't an ideal government, which is what we're aiming at, because that's we're we don't we don't do things because of pragmatic effects. We do things because it says something about God, and so the government is is obligated if it's going to rule justly to rule according to God's word. Yeah, no society can survive long when it excludes those spiritual truths. That's um, and that's just exactly what you're saying. What Kuiper is saying here, yeah. uh, we have to have a standard, yeah. and and. Uh, you know God's word is the is the rule that rules all other things. Yeah, it reminds me of um, Matt Marino that, was really that norms everything else. That it's the norming norm, the norming norm, uh, the law above the law, the law above the law. Yeah, um, um, Matt Marino always used to bring up that um, he's a mutual friend of ours, of course. Uh, he used to bring up that uh, um, Plato's dialogue. Um, uh, where Socrates talks to Euthyphro, this young man. Socrates is coming out of court, you know, because his, he's on trial for his life, and Euthyphro, this young man, is walking into the court. 
And Euthyphro is patting himself on the back because he's like, I'm going to go administer justice, he tells Socrates. And Socrates, you know, basically questions him and, and, and Euthyphro is, is proud of himself because he believes that he's standing on this ground of justice because he's going to be impartial. His dad had killed a slave. And so now he's going to prosecute his dad. And he's basically saying, look, I have, you know, a greater, uh, loyalty to justice than even to my father. And so Socrates just asked the question, well, what is justice? And that's what the whole dialogue is about. And basically, Euthyphro starts stumbling over his words, and he's like, well, well, justice is whatever the gods say justice is. And he says, well, the gods disagree. They, the gods are, are fighting and amongst themselves, and one, what one god says is just, another one you know, says is unjust. And of course, he's talking about Greek mythology. So at the end of this big, long dialogue, because Euthyphro never gives him a definition of justice, he storms off in anger, and he says, well, I'm still going to go anyway. But the, the, the brilliance of, of Plato's dialogue at that point is that unless you know what justice is, how can you administer justice? And, and that's precisely what Kuiper is saying here. Um, there's an adage that's going around today. Uh, it's, it says, it's not whether, but which. Not whether you have an ultimate standard, not whether you worship God or not, but which uh, is your ultimate standard which is the god that you serve and i think you know that's that's the burden that's on some of these shows is that um part of the beauty of reformed theology is it 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 applies the the sovereignty of god to every single sphere of our life and it does that because jesus christ claims that sovereignty for himself and gives it to no other and he does so over and over again through the scriptures yeah i mean i think one of the the parts that's uh underemphasized maybe just maybe in our time only is in the great commission where jesus tells us uh, to go and and make disciples in all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son well what is the ground on which he makes that commission well he says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me well is, does that only mean our individual lives that he has authority over? Does that only mean like the four walls of the church? Or does that mean that he actually has authority over every single realm? Yeah. And I, I would argue it's the latter. Yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about um, the Lord's Prayer, um, where the Lord Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And in that prayer, he says that uh, they, and by extension, we are to ask... Um, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, And that's talking about the will that God has revealed to us through his word. Um, So if we were to pray for that, wouldn't it stand to to follow? Uh, Wouldn't it be good reasoning to say that if we're to pray for it, then any and every opportunity we have as citizens to, to then take those means that he's given us to help the, uh, bring that to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah. I, I think you look in history, I know we, we talked about this a few days ago, but you look in history who uh, at Christians who have applied this consistently and you see guys like William Wilberforce, um, who was a very dedicated Christian and he applied those biblical principles in the political sphere. And as a result, Slaves were freed. Yeah, and and he didn't give up on it because it didn't happen overnight. Right. Yeah, he was playing the long game. That's and, right. And I think that's an important thing to have in view. Look, we're we're here until God says 
he until God brings us until right, I come. Yeah. 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 And, and just like, you know, I think in the book of Acts, you, you probably know the reference. I, I don't. But it says that David served his generation. Um, our duty is to serve our generation and mm. we're to serve it according to the the. Um, the gifts, the talents that God has given us. And we're not talking about, you know, going beyond the station that God has given you. God is sovereign over that too. But where can you, as a Christian, um, exercise the Lordship of Christ right now in in your marriage, um, with your children, um, in your relationships at work, um, in, the, in the voting booth? So we're not, we're not focusing on one thing. Jesus is Lord over everything, um, how are you applying that consistently in all of these different spheres, as you pointed out earlier, Jonathan? I mean, that's what the Bible is about. The Bible is not about our just our private individual salvation. The, I mean, the, one of the glorious verses in the Bible is that, you know, when Jesus came and took on human flesh, he took on the form of a servant, he became obedient unto death. Therefore, God gave him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue would confess to the, to the glory of God the Father. The religion that we hold to, that we believe in, is a global, universal religion. Amen. And that's vital for us to, to remember. So um, maybe a couple books just to think about. Um, I think I mentioned it uh, yesterday on the broadcast. Um, uh, One Holy and Happy Society, The Public Theology of Jonathan Edwards. Uh, very helpful. Jonathan Edwards was a very um, pious man in the best sense. He was very concerned about individuals. He was very concerned about the church, but he also was very concerned about public theology. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good book um, to recommend to you. Um, the other one that you have uh, mentioned as well. Uh, Reading the Bible with the Founding Fathers by Daniel Dreisbach. Uh, it's pu- published by Oxford. It just kind of sweeps away that myth that the Founding Fathers weren't biblically literate. They were very biblically literate. And then I think last week you mentioned uh, Politics According to the Bible by Wayne Grudem. Yep. Yeah. Excellent resource. Yeah. Very good. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time.